Welcome to session 43 of the Bible in a Year commentary. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 12th of February. Today we'll be looking at Numbers 11 to 12 and Psalm 43. But so far in Numbers, we've read as God gave his final instructions to the Israelites to prepare them as they left Sinai. These instructions are carefully gathered together in Numbers to be a retelling of Genesis 1 to 9. An answer to what went wrong before as God begins a new creation with the Israelites. We read as God brought order to the camp just as he brought order to creation. He charged the Levites just as he charged Adam and Eve. We then got a series of seemingly random instructions that target different mistakes humans made in Genesis 3 to 9. From Adam and Eve not repenting. From remaining loyal to God and not adulterous like the women that slept with other divine beings. To avoiding alcohol, which was the mistake that Noah made. From there, we got the final preparations, like the final offering to consecrate the tabernacle, the cleansing of the Levites, and instructions for how to follow the cloud of God and guide the people with trumpets. In the midst of this, we got the first time the instructions from God fail in specific contexts. We read how all Israelites must gather to share in Passover, but unclean Israelites had to be outside the camp and able to gather. Rather than twist themselves in knots coming up with a solution, they went back to the source to get an answer, much like we can today. And so the Israelites set off with their new creation camp. Everything is on the up. And this is where we pick up today with Numbers 11 to 13. Yesterday, we saw the Israelites fully prepared, finally setting off from Mount Sinai. Now, literally in the next chapter, things start to go wrong. The people complain, showing their ungratefulness at what God has done for them. God is angered and punishes them by raining down fire. Then Moses prays to God for relief and God stops. Remember when the people complained in Exodus? God had mercy on them. They didn't know any better. But now the people have spent a year at Sinai. They heard his instructions and committed themselves to him. They now have a greater responsibility to stay loyal to God and the consequences for not going to be greater. To remind themselves of this moment, the Israelites name the place where it happened. This all happens in the first three verses of Numbers 11 and is a condensed version of what happens almost every time the people complain. But as soon as God stops, the people start complaining again. This time it's because there isn't enough variety in their food. Back in Egypt, they had meat and a wide range of vegetables. Here, they just have manna. It goes to show how selective our memories could be. The Israelites were beaten and enslaved in Egypt, yet now all they can remember was how good it was to have cucumbers. All this time, the Israelites are showing their lack of faith in and appreciation for God. This time, the pressure of the situation becomes too much for Moses, and he cries out to God to either give him help or kill him. Even as Christians, in church we can focus on the things we don't like and complain, forgetting that God is faithful, but also that our leaders are human and can only do so much. But back to Moses. God gets him to get a team around him of 70 elders who can lead the people with him. He then puts some of his spirit into each of the elders. But God is generous with his spirit and it spills over to two more in the camp. At first the people are concerned, but Moses points out that they should all seek to be filled with God's spirit. After that, he turns around and gives the people what they wanted, meat. But he punishes them as well hitting them with a great plague. But still the people don't learn. This time it's Moses' own family, Aaron and Miriam, that start complaining and challenging Moses. As we'll see, the rebellion of the people affects every area of the nation, from the people 
right up to the high priest and his sister. Moses, being humble, doesn't fight back, but God defends him. He gives Miriam leprosy to show that he really is for Moses and then forces her to wait outside the camp for seven days before he removes it from her. The people are not doing well. As they begin to approach the promised land, Moses sends out some spies to see what the situation is like. Who currently lives there? What are the resources like? Twelve spies go out and then come back with their report. The land is flowing with milk and honey. It's a great place to live. The problem is the people there are strong. One spy, Caleb, stands up and encourages everyone saying they can do it. But the other spies are scared and tell everyone that they can't. What they say is this. There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers and so we seemed to them. That's Numbers 13 verses 33. If you can remember all the way back to Genesis 6 verses 1 to 4, we saw some spiritual beings, sons of God, sleep with human women who then gave birth to the Nephilim giant warrior men. Somehow these Nephilim survived the flood. Or maybe more spiritual beings came after the flood and made some more. The Bible doesn't specify. But what it says here is that these Nephilim went on to have children of their own. One of them was likely a guy called Anak. And just like over time we saw Abraham become a nation of people, the descendants of Anak have become a nation of people. Sometimes called the Anakites and other times just referred as the descendants of Anak. As descendants of Nephilim, these guys were much larger and stronger than normal people. I mention this to say here we've got a people that are a result of evil spiritual beings standing in the way of God's people. The war that these two sides eventually fight is as much a spiritual war as it is a physical war. Because of these spies, it's going to be a while before Israelites come to defeat these enemies. And so you'll find this information useful later on. But that's Numbers 11 to 13. Now let's look at Psalm 43. Many believe Psalm 42 and 43 were originally one psalm as they both share the same refrain. We've mentioned multiple times that biblical lament involves bringing God your complaint and struggles, asking God to intervene and declaring your trust in God. In Psalm 42, the psalmist shared their struggles and made declarations of trust, but they never asked God to intervene. That request appears here in Psalm 43. And the structure is pretty simple. In verses 1 to 4, we get a pray for deliverance. And then verse 5, we get, why are you downcast, my soul? Having worked through their emotions in Psalm 42, the psalmist is now ready to ask God to break into their situation. They ask God to defend them and protect them from those who would wish them harm. And they also begin to interrogate God. Why is it that God seems so far away? Why is it that the psalmist is suffering at the hands of their enemy? We may feel scared to ask God these kind of big questions, but he would much rather us bring the questions to him than let them sit inside us chewing away at our faith. The psalmist asks God to send out his light and truth. They are drawing on God's character, asking him to be faithful to who he is. The psalmist's desire to once again be brought into God's presence. That's all they want, to experience the joy that comes from knowing God. So one last time, the psalmist speaks to themselves to encourage themselves to continue to hope in God.